1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlanski, joined as always by Nick Horwat. We have one week until the start of the NHL regular season, at least the start of the Pittsburgh Penguins regular season, regular season games for the NHL start on Tuesday. Penguins open up on Thursday night against the Arizona Coyotes at PPG Paints Arena. So we are seven days away, Horwat. Still plenty that needs to happen before then. Still plenty that has happened in the past couple of days since we last spoke. What are you looking forward to at the beginning of the year? Like, are you excited that preseason games are almost over? Because I know I am.
0: I am, and I'm mostly excited about what this roster will look like. Mm. I think we know a lot of the names are already set in stone. We know what a lot of these players are going to be able to do and what they can and cannot do with this organization, and with this team. Uh, I'm exce- Whenever I say I'm excited to see this roster, I mean, I'm excited to see who's new. We've already had, you would say, a couple surprises, and Drew O'Connor mainly being sent back to the minors for uh, an AHL season. Uh, Sam Poulin still surviving rounds of cuts. And then what our defensive core will look like. We think we have the six pretty much set in stone, mm-hmm. um, along with other news that we'll get to. So I'm really excited to see what the smaller parts of this lineup look like. The stuff that intrigues us the most, the smaller parts of this lineup, like, yeah, we know Crosby, Malkin, Latang. we know Jake Ansel, Brian Russ, we know those guys are here, we know where they're going to be, maybe one's on the second line, maybe one's on the first, hey, things change up, but that's minor stuff. We're excited to see what uh, what small names can make a big difference on this team.
1: hmm yeah, and the bottom six was something that was in flux all summer long, so we'll obviously have plenty to talk about with that, especially considering the fact that that's where the injuries have faced in the uh, in the training camp. Of course, Jeff Carter back with the team, practicing at a full contact capacity, and Teddy Bluger is skating, although not with the team, so the next step is skating, non-contact, but again, still has a week, still considered day-to-day, so it could be good to go by next Thursday. But the big news of the past couple of days was from Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff. He said Ron Hextall has called all 31 teams this summer on PO Joseph. PO Joseph, of course, acquired by the Pittsburgh Penguins under the Jim Rutherford regime in the Phil Kessel trade with the Arizona Coyotes coincidentally has only played probably 20 games at the Pittsburgh Penguins level, was looking to make that jump to the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. Of course, the defense is something we're going to talk about all episode long, log jammed at the NHL level with nine NHL-ready defensemen, especially with, I believe, five on that left side right there. And Joseph not being waiver eligible also makes things a little bit more complicated. So Horwat, with Joseph having to clear waivers to be sent down, and, of course, the news coming out now that Hextall has called everybody under the sun to try to get a trade for, for P.O. Joseph. What do you think happens with him here in the next week?
0: It's hard to say. Most, I, I think, we're just going to see him get shipped off. And it hurts to say, but I think, like I've been saying all camp, he's in this battle with Ty Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, And in the few times, I haven't seen him much, but in the few moments that I've seen Ty Smith on the ice, he's looked better. He has been given the advantages of being the guy that they put into the lineup during these preseason games. They scratched Pio Joseph for a preseason game. You get scratched in a preseason game, that should say something. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty Smith has been given giving these, giving these opportunities. He has... He's a year younger, so he doesn't have a year on him, but he's got over 100 games of NHL experience, which is far more than Pio Joseph can say right now. And in certain situations, we do have to understand that building a team is... A, a business, and B, you're trying to put the best product on the ice. Mike Sullivan said it himself. They're trying to, to the best of their ability, put the best team they can on the ice. And if one player is better than the other, you know, chemistry or not with a line mate, uh, you know, if the player's better, the player's better. And Mike Sullivan also said they're trying to build that chemistry between Smith and Ruta, who's going to be his line mate all year, it seems. So the decision seems to be made. And because you want Pio Joseph to be playing. You don't want to take the shot at sending him through the waivers. You may as well get a return. It sucks to say that we've had this, that we've been talking about Pio Joseph coming up in this organization for how many years now it seems. But it might almost at this point be better just to ship him off and get some sort of
1: return. I mean, yes, it would be better to get a return than just to try to send him through waivers. And at this point, it seems like if he got sent through waivers, he would be taken by one of the 32 teams. But I think this is an issue with your general manager right now because Ron Hextall overplayed his hand this summer on the blue line because we saw two moves in one day. Not only did he spend the money on the opening day of free agency to bring in Jan Ruda, but he made two trades in one day that not only sent out defensemen with high cap hits and Mike Matheson and John Marino, But he brought back just as many defensemen. And he also mentioned Danny Shiree of DK Pittsburgh Sports asked him, is it fair to assume that you're not taking nine defensemen into the season? And he laughed at it, played it off, said that's fair to assume. Well, training camp came around. Those nine defensemen were still on the roster. Now we have news that he's been trying to ship off Pio Joseph. We know that he was trying to trade Marcus Pedersen at some point this offseason. He overplayed his hand. Teams in the league are going to take notice when you do stuff like that. These general managers pay attention to everything that happens. So they know Ron Hextall is in a bind. They know, don't make a deal with him because if you make a deal with him, you're giving something up. Whereas if you don't, you're going to have an opportunity at one of these nine NHL defensemen because he's going to have to send somebody through waivers. The only problem was Hextall was banking on somebody coming into camp and outperforming Ty Smith, and nobody has done that. Not that Ty Smith has been absolutely incredible, but Ty Smith has been the guy at the third pairing left defense. And that's the problem because he was the only waiver eligible guy. So now you look and you're saying, okay, well, we pick somebody to be seventh, and then there's eighth and ninth. Are we going to carry eight defensemen? Probably have to. And who's the ninth guy? And who do we send down? And who do we risk losing? Which right now, I feel like that's between Pio Joseph and Mark Friedman. And the thing is, with Pio Joseph, he's younger. He has a higher upside. We basically know what Friedman is going to be. And you don't want to lose a guy like Pio Joseph, who is still a valuable trade chip, for nothing. So you're going to have to carry him on the NHL roster, or you're going to have to risk losing him, which you will probably lose him on the NHL waiver wire here in the next week. So I think it's a it's a case of Ron Hextall overplayed his hand and the general managers across the league looked at it and said, why are we going to trade with you when you're going to have one of these nine guys that we would gladly take on the waivers within a week before the season?
0: Yeah, yeah it is still just a difficult situation. I just feel that if he is shopping them, um, there's got to be a taker. We're not trying to get much in return here.
1: There, there it because they see what situation he's in. There's not a taker because they're like, you're an idiot. You have nine NHL defensemen. One of them is waivers eligible. And you already basically have said that you're going to keep him on the roster. You have to send somebody down. The, the entire NHL is looking at Hextall and saying, okay, well, you're going to lose a guy for free. That's basically what Frank Saravali said. They're going to lose a defenseman that they didn't want to. And that's going to become two players that were going to be parts of this team this year that he lost to, through waivers. Zahorna, we'll talk about in a minute. That is what it is. I mean, he wasn't going to make the roster. He was, he was probably a 14th or 15th guy. But a guy like Pio Joseph... You should not be losing for free. Guy like Mark Friedman, guy like Chad Ruweedle, whoever it is, you shouldn't lose for free. But Ron Hextall overplayed his hand, and that's where he has to deal with it now. He has to eat the crow that he kind of, kind of built up over the off season.
0: Absolutely. We we had been talking off, also off all off season and into last season just that log jam, just this mm-hmm. defensive log jam. Some relief needs to come. It just hasn't happened yet, and now we're he's like you mentioned he's eating the crow. He's sleeping in the bed he has made. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see where it goes. I think something we something has to happen, and I'm assuming if it happens, you know, we our first game is the 13th. I'm assuming it happens before puck drop
1: for the league, wouldn't you? Well, you you have to get roster eligible. Yeah. So, and, and the Penguins are not going to be able to carry nine defense defensemen and get roster eligible. It's just not it's not feasible. We're cat friendly. Totally updated with who with I believe is what on
0: the current we have 26 on our roster right now, right? 27 they don't have pool in at the nhl level okay because this uh cap friendly has just said 26 and pool in is brought up but it also says uh, pretty much the point i'm getting at here is this has us three mil- 3.3 million over the cap that's another situation we have to figure out we have to do some acrobats to <laughs> figure out the cap situation as well not just who's playing in the lineup you have to now take in their dollar amounts so yeah, there's going uh, to be some flippity stuff happening.
1: Well, yes, there's still cuts that need to be made. And let's talk about that right now. Cause we have some housekeeping that needs to be taken care of. Some smaller stories that happened. Of course, the penguins sent down Jonathan Gruden and Taylor for Both were dealing with injuries. Hence the reason they stayed up as long as they did, but now they're both healthy. So they are sent down to wilkes Bear. Both had cleared waivers. Uh, Gruden didn't have to, but for did clear waivers. So the penguins roster, it does remain at 26 players. You are correct. Uh, my math was off. Uh, I put out a tweet yesterday that my prediction is Lindbergh, obviously. He's waivers exempt. He's a third goaltender. The Penguins aren't going to carry three goaltenders in the season. They
0: pulled him up for illness anyway. So.
1: Yeah. So, Philip Lindbergh is one. Then you have two left. I think Sam Poulin, because he's waivers exempt and because of the area the Penguins are in with the salary cap, he gets sent down just to avoid anybody having to go through waivers. And I do think that last guy is Mark Friedman. I really do. Be- between... Ruedel and Friedman. I know Friedman is great in the underlying numbers and, and the, the analytical community loves Mark Friedman. But when you look at the actual defenseman out there, if you're going to lose somebody for nothing, I mean, you you gained Mark Friedman for nothing. If you lose him for nothing, then it is what it is. And he is probably your ninth best defenseman.
0: Yeah. If you are going to lose someone for nothing, you're going to have it be Mark Friedman. Yeah. I mean, you did just sign Chad Ruedel to a new deal. So you don't want to immediately be like, "Hey, we signed you to a new deal." And get to the minors. Um, sure we did the same thing with Pia Joseph, but there's a lot going on in this whole situation. I think uh, if you were to send anyone down, it would be him. And I'm wrong. We also just signed Mark
1: Friedman. Signed him in March. Yeah, in March. I thought you said they signed you to another extension. I was like, "I don't think that's legal." Nope. I don't, th- I don't think you can sign somebody you just signed six months ago to another extension.
0: Second, I said Ruido, I thought, I think Friedman just got one too, because why does he have two years he left? He did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did. They both got signed within, I believe, a month of each other last season.
0: February 19th for Chad, March something for Mark, and then P.O., I mean, also signed July
1: 12th. So that's what I'm saying. P.O. Joseph was a restricted free agent. Ron, it all it all attributes to Ron Hextall overplaying his hand this off season on the blue line. But definitely, I I don't think it matters who it is if it's Friedman, Rueedel, or Po Joseph. There are teams in the NHL that they are top six defensemen for. So no matter who you send down, you're losing. Like as sure as I am about. Poulin, unfortunately, not making the roster out of camp. I'm sure one of those guys would get claimed on waivers. Like, if Redeem Zahorna, and let's talk about that now, if Redeem Zahorna was claimed off waivers by the Calgary Flames, then I, I think one of these three defensemen, who are clearly top six guys on most NHL teams, will end up getting claimed. But Redeem Zahorna was claimed by the Calgary Flames, even though I said, yeah, he's probably going to play tonight, He'll he'll clear through today, and he'll go down tomorrow. Well, unfortunately, the 26-year-old, Goliath for the Pittsburgh Penguins is now a member of the Calgary Flames and good for him. I mean, he's going to get an opportunity to play for the Calgary Flames. I know a lot of people are saying, "Hey, if if they don't want him to uh be at the NHL level anymore, they have to send him through waivers, we can get him back." Maybe that happens. And He'd have maybe to go the through Penguins all
0: 31 teams again though. Yes. Or all 30, I guess. Uh yeah. 31. Well, yeah. he, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. So it it would really Be kind of a a long shot to get Zahorna back, but I mean, the guy's 26 years old, so he's not, you know, over the hill by any means. He finally seemed like he was going to figure to play a role as an injury replacement for the Pittsburgh Penguins. People were saying he had great, you know, stamina, great conditioning coming into this camp. We both said, Hey, Zahorna has kind of been popping off of the ice. We've kind of noticed him more so this season than we did last season at training camp, so. It was kind of a shame to see that he went. I was kind of upset because he was my training camp MVP, and and now he's gone.
0: It's just the way it is. I mean, he gained a step. When, you, when you're when you six, whatever, seven, and you yeah. gain a step of speed, and gain a step of stick handling, we've mentioned this so many times over these last few episodes, you make a name for yourself, and you force yourself into the conversation of, uh, like you mentioned, an injury replacement or a legitimate roster spot, considering some of the other names that we're tossing around here. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, Josh, Josh Archibald seems to be on the good side of a lot of people, but I think I'd rather have redeem Zahorna just because he's more of a "let's see what happens." a he's on the good side of people. Well, so well, I, it's
1: funny. Sorry, let me just cut you off for one second. I'll, 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 sorry, I don't mean to do this. You're good. But it's funny because Josh Archibald is probably half the size. Like that's exaggerating, that but he's probably he's probably half the size of redeem Zahorna but he plays bigger than Re- Redeem Zahorna. Zahorna was not physical at all. You're but right. Josh Archibald is. You know, it, Archibald is kind of, you know, sandpaper finish kind of guy, but Zahorna wasn't. That was the only thing that I didn't like about Zahorna is you're 6 foot. What was he? six seven, six six? I believe 7, yeah. He does not play like it. He, he does not play like it. But he was a good player. He's a big body, long reach. Same thing we could have said about Stall, long reach, not as physical. But uh, you know, un- unfortunately he's gone, but uh, again, you can go back to what you were saying. I did not have too much else. I think it was just in the grand
0: scheme of our lineup construction, we would have rather—I'm assuming—we would have rather have had redeem Zahorna in the lineup over Josh Archibald or a bunch of guys that just got cut. So yeah, and the other thing too, like this whole Zahorna thing was—it seemed a lot more interesting than what it turned out to be, right? He, the list of cuts came out, and Zahorna's name was not on it. Matter of fact, he was still on that training camp roster mm-hmm. a few hours later there's no notice just cat friendly's tw- automated twitter account going hey redeems the Horner was placed on waivers along with a bunch of other guys mm-hmm. and light bulbs went off like now we need to all learn about how the waivers work right <laughs> because yeah. the penguins had a game to play and he was in the roster for it yeah, but also would... was put yeah. on waivers but not on the cut list and then all of a sudden he's scooped up by Calgary, which, yeah. al- which ultimately made it all very easy of just, yeah, he was put on waivers, Calgary took him, don't worry about the rest. Mm-hmm. So we all had to learn things, and it was way more interesting and in-depth than it needed to be, but
1: yeah, at the end of the day, we lost Redeem Zahorna. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to realize that it's two separate things: sending somebody down and putting somebody on waivers are two separate things. One has to come before the other, obviously. But just because they're on waivers doesn't mean they're immediately going to send down. I think there's like a there's a grace period after they clear waivers for them to uh, end up getting sent down. But also, they had the game that night, and the waivers the waiver period is twenty four hours. So two p m. Eastern Standard. Yeah, exactly. So it's something that you normally only see in preseason where somebody gets placed on waivers, and then plays in the game. Like, you don't see it very often during the regular season, but uh, it's something to keep an eye on for sure as the year uh, goes on. One last thing before we head to a quick commercial break. Happy belated 57th birthday to the GOAT, man. Mario Mario Lemieux turned 57 on October 5th. You know what else was on October 5th? Sidney Crosby's NHL debut against the New Jersey Devils. And that that ended up being, back in 2005, that ended up being the uh, 40th birthday for the goat so uh interesting little dichotomy there you gotta love how sports is kind of like poetic symmetry at some points but uh happy birthday again to the greatest of all time mary lemieux of course happy birthday to the man
0: the myth the absolute legend um you and uh brian messer talked about him for a pretty good amount of time on your uh show yesterday and it was really good so everything Mets metzi said there uh can just be reflected pretty much yeah from both of us
1: just incredible yeah. stuff On his actual birthday, we talked on Penguins Lunch with Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. So go check that out. It is on the podcast feed at Tip of the Iceberg. It's also on our YouTube channel at at Inside the Penguins, excuse me. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, the defense seems like it's set. We're going to discuss the top six for the Pittsburgh Penguins on the blue line. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Of course, both Horwat and I will be writing plenty about the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. If you want to check out my latest piece on Jan Ruta, who has done perfectly in his role for the first two weeks of training camp. His first two weeks as a Penguin, he's done just exactly what the Penguins need him to do. Fade into oblivion, chew up minutes, and don't give up goals. That's all he's done. He's only played in two preseason games. Hasn't given up a goal. He's been on the ice for one goal, for. You can see the rest of it in the article. inside thepenguins.com Right now, I believe it's the top story about Jan Ruda. Check the byline for yours truly. And then Horwath, do you have anything coming out in the near future? or Anything that has come out in, in recent past before we get into the de- defense?
0: Nothing big other than news. Um, I'll be starting to cover games soon. I'll be in the press box for the final preseason game on Friday. And then we'll see where things go from there. So keep an eye out for your official inside the uh, tip of the iceberg Penguins insider, if you will.
1: Yeah, there we go. That We got a foot in the door, Horwat, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. They can't get rid of us now. <laughs> oh, they can. <laughs> yeah, they still can. But uh, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins blue line, buddy, because uh, we got six guys that are slated to start the season and it seems like it's set in stone at this point brian Doomlin, chris letang we had discussions that maybe they would try somebody different with Letang. it's kind of a it's kind of a snowball's chance in hell of that happening Horwat. so we do have Dumlin letang starting the season together we got petterson and petrie who at the beginning of training camp were basically betrothed to be uh, and they are the PD PD lineup there with Pedersen and Petrie. I'm excited for that pairing. We can talk about that in a second. And then you mentioned earlier in the show, when we were talking about PO Joseph, potentially being on the trade market that Smith Ruda seems to be that third pairing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike Sullivan said they're hoping to build a little bit of chemistry between the two of them. They've been together for the first two weeks of camp. They'll be together for the last week of camp before the regular season starts. So That is your starting six, Dumo Letang. Pedersen, Petrie, Smith, Ruta. I'll bring up the graphic here for those watching us on our YouTube channel live. Not live, I should say, but the full episode is available on our YouTube channel. But uh, this is what we're going to have heading into the season. What are your overall thoughts on this core?
0: Overall, you know, I don't totally hate it. I Sure, we kind of wanted to figure something out in that Dumo position, but there's not much we can do. He's going to be there. We know they at least have a chemistry. and. Things can be built from it. Dumoulin just needs to gain his step back. Um, Pedersen and Petrie, as much as I'm going to cringe every time someone tries to call them by the same name, or the same nickname, I should say, uh, they should be fun together. They should work out great. Pedersen seems to be built for the second-line position at this point because we know he's not phenomenal enough to step in for Dumoulin like we had all thought before, Mm -hmm. and he's definitely not a third-line guy anymore. So he's going to stay there just fine. And if he can play well with Petrie and have a great uh, chemistry and a great bond there, tops. And then Smith and Ruda, like we said, Sullivan wants the two to play together and play well. Uh, And they should do just that. Ty Smith has a lot to prove this year, so that's fun. Like He's got a ton to do, and this is a great spot for him to do it. Alongside Jan Ruda, who brings a Cup pedigree. No one's talking about that. Mm -hmm. He's got some hardware with him. So he's bringing in more championship hunger for this team, and it's a good spot for him. The second we made the signing for him, I loved it right away. There's, yeah. I don't see anything super wrong with it. Three years might
1: be a touch long, but at the same time, you're going to get good quality out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he brings something that the Penguins haven't had in a little while, which is a very stout, big defensive defenseman for their third pairing. They've had a lot of little scat guys, you know, Chad Ruweedle, And I think Ruweedle's done really well uh, when he's been in there. But, you know, Ruweedle has always been the de facto seventh man of the year, basically, like to use a basketball term. He's always the – he's a great option for a seventh defenseman. But uh, as far as that PD, PD thing, I know that's going to bother you. Listen, if – the three Peter Parkers and Spider-Man No Way Home can figure out with Peter One, Peter Two, and Peter Three. Maybe that's all we need to do. Pedersen was here first, so he's Peter One, and uh, and Peter and Petrie can be Peter Two. There you go, problem solved. Or you just call them by their first names. Yeah, but this is the hockey culture. We don't call anybody by their first names except for Sid. You're right. You're not supposed to.
0: I just that was just a little joke. But yeah, you know, it's it'll be fine. I'll call them Pedersen and Petrie because that is their names. Just call him Petey. Also, don't people call Pedersen the dragon? I'm very confused about what his nickname is now.
1: Or is that like the fan's nickname
0: and then the inside the room call him something specific?
1: Well, you have to think the reason for these nicknames, we're going down a rabbit hole, but that's all right. The reason for these nicknames is when you're calling somebody on the ice, call them by their nickname. You're not going to sit there and go, hey, dragon, pass the puck. Hey, dragon, pass the puck. No, Petey. It's easy. It's quick call somebody dragon on the ice, you're going to get chirped to hell and back, especially when you're going up with guys like Marshawn or I don't even know who else Reeves. Oh my God. Reeves would have a field day with somebody's calling somebody else, the dragon on the ice. But uh, no, that's at the end of the day, it doesn't really make a difference, especially to, to two guys sitting here talking about it and not actually playing the games. But uh, no, the PD PD duo, I, I think is going to be a really good matchup. I, I really think that they're going to do well against the, uh, the second tier guys on the opposing teams, Petrie, I I think, offers a little bit better defensive. I don't know if he's better defensively. He's not than John Marino, but he's going to offer a little bit more on the offensive side of the puck. He's definitely going to offer more defensively than Mike Matheson did, which is going to be really nice. And and when you look at this defense, the right side, I would say could go toe-to-toe with any right side in the National Hockey League. He's one of the best. Absolutely. The question question is going to be, there's a lot of question marks on the left side. I mean, Brian Dumlin... At the age of 30, I mean, I know that the players are playing longer these days because of new medicine and new ways to to keep your body healthy, but so many leg injuries that that man has suffered. It seems like he's lost a step. Can he step it up and just kind of avenge a bad season from last year? That's a question mark. Can Marcus Pedersen, you know, steadily be a defensive presence with a guy like Jeff Petrie, who's going to jump into the offense way more than Marino did, who's who Pedersen played with most of last season. And then Ty Smith, man, he's not going to play defense. Is he? He's not
0: that Mike Matheson role.
1: At least Matheson at points did play defense. I don't think we're going to see as much defense from Smith as we saw from Matheson. And that is a statement right there.
0: We'll have to see. I bet he definitely does play defense. Cause Jan Ruta is going to be on Ruda. I mean, he's going to play his defense. Well, yes. Um, I think that's just gonna be a good, sh- I mean, yeah, the. But- second line is going to be a good shutdown line but i think we can get a lot of the same out of a shutdown line with a little more scoring threat i mean jeff Petrie as well yeah you know what so all of a sudden our second and third line are damn near identical in terms of oh, I shutdown mean. and scoring touch we'll see yeah um uh, but i do think ty smith is going to have some defensive touch it'll be
1: mike madison jr almost we'll see what kind of skating he does Yeah, listen, the one thing that I definitely noticed by Ty Smith is the dude can skate. Like, he is very good on his skates. If he takes the puck up and he makes the right decisions with the puck, he's going to be a very integral part to getting offense started in the bottom six. Because think about the guys in the bottom six. You got Kapanen, you got Heinen, you got guys like McGinn, guys that like to get into the zone with speed, play that forechecking game, and with Ty Smith bringing an extra step from the back end, that could really escalate and elevate the bottom six six's scoring threats. But, you know, the defensive side for Smith, that's why he's paired with Ruda, because Ruda is a tried-and-true stay-at-home defenseman, like I wrote about in my piece yesterday. And the guy is, he's going to be where you need him to be. He's going to be in the defensive zone. He's going to be playing back, leaning back, and uh, covering for Ty Smith. You just hope that, that meshes with the chemistry that was talked about. So Horwat, I think we just basically discussed the strengths and the weaknesses. The strengths are the right side. The weaknesses are the left side. It's, is it that cut and dry?
0: Yeah, they can be. Yeah, because there's so many more questions on the left side. So, I mean, like, even he's a Dumoulin, we just we, we're not exactly sure. He could mm-hmm. be fine. He's on the contract here. You never know. Patterson has some still kind of up in the air about what he is specifically. And Ty Smith has a lot to prove.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. What I'm keeping an eye out for, and I'll ask you the same thing in a minute here. What I'm keeping an eye out for is Ty Smith. Because if his play falters or falls off early, that makes Ron Hextall's job easy. You send Ty Smith down, he's waiver eligible, and you, you plug somebody else in there. Whether it's P.O. Joseph whether it's Mark Friedman or whether you're you're pushing Ruda to the left side and, and Chad Ruedel goes in up in the right side. So that makes things easy. That's what I'm watching for. Like, how long is the leash on Ty Smith with these guys behind him that are really holding up the entire roster situation? Like, you, you got to think about it. It's holding up your 13th forward situation. Like, who can you bring up? That depends on who's in the lineup defensively. So, obviously, Ron Hextall is going to figure all this out. But I, I think... The one thing you have to realize is even when we say right side, left side, even the the fourth defenseman on both sides, it's the same thing. The right side, fourth defenseman is Chad Ruweedle. That is way more of a known factor than whether it is P.O. Joseph or Mark Friedman on the left side. So what are you keeping an eye out for on this defense core to start the season other than Ty Smith? Sorry, I stole that one.
0: You're good. Uh, I'm kind of keeping an eye out for what these new guys do as well as Brian Dumoulin. Specifically, one, we we just want to see that he can still pull this pull his weight in his caliber of, you know, uh, top line defenseman. Mm-hmm. And these new guys, I'm just curious what they can do. You know, every year when you get new players, that's kind of your focus for a little bit is what can these new guys bring to the table?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can Petrie be what he's supposed to be? You gotta remember he's the highest paid defenseman on this team now, yearly, annually. So he has to. In Mike, like Mike Matson's case not live up to the whole thing but kind of make it seem worth it and then we got Jan Ruda who we brought in to just add to the log jam we have to see what he's able to do mm-hmm. and then Ty Smith is the prove it year. I know it would sound like a broken record with Ty Smith here but he's got a lot to prove this year and you have to see what he can do so I'm curious to see what those three can do specifically and obviously Brian do one. so I'm watching four of six players on this defensive core yeah, and obviously you're gonna watch Latang because it's Chris Latang. Yeah, absolutely. So now all of a sudden <laughs> I'm watching to see how good all six of these guys are.
1: So uh, Yeah, so if you look up to the press box to see Nick Horwat, his eyes are gonna be glued on the defensive zone. No no forwards for Horwat. He's basically Todd Reardon taking sure the defense is all uh, all secure there for the Pittsburgh I Penguins. I
0: will I will not know how many goals the Penguins have scored, but I will know how many
1: this team has given up. Perfect. So what we're gonna do is take a quick break. When we return, we're gonna talk about eight players on expiring contracts entering the season. I don't like to talk about expiring contracts and expiring deals during the year unless they get renewed. So we're going to try to to talk about all of them here with one week to go until the season. And then of course, obviously, if something comes up, we will talk about it, but we're going to take a quick break. When we return all the players on expiring deals for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm just sitting here thinking, we have this episode, we have Monday's episode, we have next Thursday's episode, and then we have actual hockey games to talk about. So I'm very excited. Obviously, we still have our Penguins predictions to come, leaders and goals, assists, points, games played. Nominees for Iron Penguin Award that can make it through. We had one winner last season, Evan Rodriguez, and he's gone. So we will uh, we will talk about that next week on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. But to finish off this week, we're going to talk about eight players on the NHL roster right now that are on expiring contracts heading into the season. If you look all the way to the end of the 2022-23 season, as of now, there is $19.413 million that will be lopped off the books. Basically a quarter of the salary cap off the books. And the top thing on that list for me is a $1 million deduction from the Jack Johnson buyout. Yeah. That's it goes for full player right there. When we talk about, yeah, literally. It's, it's literally Dayton Heinen's salary this year. When we talk about defense and how much money is allocated to this defense it's still 1.917 for jack johnson this is the last year of that it'll get reduced down to 917 thousand dollars after this season for three more seasons and then that'll be the end of jack johnson on the penguins books right
0: and it went up this season i believe i think
1: it was one something five or four and it went up to 1.9 this was basically the year that you had to eat a lot of crow for buying out jack johnson
0: yeah and well i mean also the two years that he was here he had to eat a lot of curve for signing jack johnson Ooh, yeah. um <laughs> but that's neither here nor there and that's not who we're talking about here but that one million dollars is important hell we mm-hmm. could use it right now yeah we'd be nice we it, it'd be nice to lop off this whole 1.9 honestly we'd still be over the cap by a touch but again there's still moves that need to be made mm-hmm. but that is a big important one million dollars at the end of the season and i'm glad you brought that up before i could
1: oh you had that on your notes too No, absolutely because
0: i looked at it and i figured Great this match. is the year where it rose and then it's going to hit that steady nine point one or er, point sorry nine hundred thousand dollars for the next three seasons or at least yeah. it is a little more manageable it sucks up pretty much an entire elc but mm-hmm.
1: so be it all right let's talk about the players that didn't win a stanley cup last year in uh in the pittsburgh penguins eight players on expiring deals we have jason zucker danton heinen Teddy Bluger, Ryan Paling, Josh Archibald, Brian Dumlin, Ty Smith, and Tristan Jari. If it sounds like there's a lot of those players that just signed or just came to the Penguins this year, it's because there is. There's a lot of players that just came to the Pittsburgh Penguins this season that are on expiring deals, and that's kind of along the lines of the way Hextall has operated. Not many players are, are he is he bringing in and saying, hey, extend, extend, extend. More so this year, you saw Ricard Raquel... Obviously, Rust, Malkin, Latang all got long extensions. Brock McGinn last year, a multi-year. Jan Ruda this year, a multi-year. But the majority of players that come in are either on expiring deals or have one year left. And, and that's where a lot of these guys are. So, when looking at this, which forward of these guys, I believe there's five forwards on this list, which forward will have the best contract season Horwath?
0: Oh, that's so hard to say because we discussed that jason zucker might really have a good season this year if he's able to stay healthy and if he's able to produce at the level he wanted to last season you could say the answer is him but then you remember teddy bluger plays that defensive game that uh, adds an extra element to his style you know could be him i think i'm gonna have to fall on because of that vote of confidence we gave him last week i gotta roll with jason zucker here Mm -hmm. um Like I said, we gave him a bunch of we gave him the big vote of confidence last episode, and now it is his time to prove it. It is his contract year. I think that's just going to be my answer. Teddy Bluger again, as good as he's going to be, Mm -hmm. uh, we just know the numbers aren't going to show it because of his role on the team. So, in terms of on paper, definitely going to be Jason Zucker.
1: Mm -hmm. I I do agree that on paper, Jason Zucker. You know, if you go just flat-out points and flat-out where they're playing in the lineup. Jason Zucker is the only one of these guys that are currently a top-six option for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I do agree that Jason Zucker is probably going, of these guys, going to have the best season when it comes to on paper, when it comes to counting stats and goals and points and and playing with guys like Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. That's going to help a lot. The one thing that I want to throw in as a caveat is price per point. I don't think there's anyone better than Danton Heinen. On a $1 million contract, last year he scored, I believe, 18 goals, 15 of them during the five-on-five play. Price per point, I don't think you're going to get as much production for as little money, basically, as the Penguins are going to get from Danton Heinen. Obviously, you know, Paling, if he comes in and scores 10 goals on a $750,000 contract, that's fantastic. But Danton Heinen is also a guy that, if injuries persist, we've seen him play in the top six for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We've seen him be a threat at five on five, we've seen him on the second power play unit be pretty good. But I, I think price per point, Danton Heinen. But other than that, yeah, J- Jason Zucker has the highest cap hit among all these players at five point one million dollars. He should be the best forward on this list because of that fact. And I, I, I agree with you that he will be. But I do, I do fall back and think that the Danton Heinen is going to have a good year in year two with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a good answer too. That is a
0: great answer too. Just because of we know what he can do and your price per point
1: is a great little uh, notion to look at there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about with these guys. Obviously, you know, we're expecting them to all come into the season, looking to prove something. You you mentioned prove it years in an earlier segment on this show. Basically anybody on a contract season is is on a prove it year. Like what do you deserve going forward as a national hockey league player? None of these players are going to retire. After this year. I mean, most likely, at least, unless they're just not used in the league and then head over to Europe, Josh Archibald. But um, the question that I want to ask is which of these guys is a candidate for a midseason extension to you? I think Tristan Jari is the obvious one here, isn't it? Yes.
0: Tristan Jari is the obvious one. He's the one you want to lock up now while his price point is still a little lower, mm-hmm. especially if he is about to have the season that we are all hoping for. And ex- I
1: said Vesna. And half expecting, yeah. Vezina finalist, not Vezina winner. Oh, absolutely. For those that didn't listen to the Bold Predictions episode on Monday. Of course. So I think he's the obvious
0: one, because you do want to get him while the number is lower. Uh, hard to do. Hard to do, especially whenever Ron Hextall said, I think he said, at least unless I'm making this one up, that there's no rush on it and that there's no worry on it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, man, can we not do that this year? It ran you... Two players signing for $6.1 million because of that. Hmm.
1: How about you pull the trigger a little sooner there, Ronnie? Different situation, but yeah, let's not wait till the day before free agency opens to get Tristan Jari finished up next year. Exactly. Like, And I get
0: it's a different situation, but I, especially for the Malkin one, there seemed to be a lot of drama
1: going into it. So... Mm-hmm. Well, again, like I said, different situation. Malkin... Missed half the season with a a massive knee surgery at the age of 35. Tristan Jari's heading into his prime with uh, no injury. Well, he's coming off of a foot injury, but he will actually play at the beginning of the season, whereas Malkin missed the first 41 games. But yeah, definitely Tristan Jari right now getting paid $3.5 million. It's a bargain deal for what Jari's been able to bring. I understand that the playoff success hasn't been there, but again, last year, He wouldn't have played in the second round, which is ridiculous. So the fact that he went out there and played the way he did against the New York Rangers and gave you more than a fully healthy Louis Domingue spicy broccoli and all, uh, that is something to be said about Tristan Jari. So definitely Jari. I also think looking at this list, if Ty Smith goes the other way, I mentioned in the last segment, if he falls back, he'll get sent down because that's how the contract situation and the business is going to work this year. But if he comes out and performs... I easily see the 22-year-old getting an extension this year. I mean, get only making $863,000 against the cap, he's going to be due for a raise. And if he starts to play really well, you could see Ron Hextall saying, hey, let's get this guy before the price gets ridiculous for a full season of really good play here in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, even if he does go the full season and has ridiculous play, the price point's not going to be that high because it's his first big contract. You could sign him for a short bridge deal almost. I mean, he's not your franchise guy. You're not going to hand him eight years. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to hand him the $8 million. So you don't have to worry too much about the Ty Smith contract being bloated. I mean, it could be bloated, but um, you don't have to worry about it cracking your, you know, your cap space Mm -hmm. um, regardless of his performance. So that's kind of why I held off on the Ty Smith one too. Like you're right. You could absolutely see him getting a contract sooner because of good play. And you want to lock him up now. But it's not gonna bust your, you know, bust your bubble here. It'll be a shorter two, three year deal. Get him out of the RFA status, and then be what? If he plays really well, at the most four million.
1: You would think, yeah, that that would probably be the ceiling for him. I could see him a good number for him would be two point five to two point seven five, in my opinion. Yeah, for like two years. Like I said, get him out of the RFA status, and you work on it from there. Yeah. And that even might be a little high considering what his role is on the team. Like you, you signed, you signed John Ruda for $2.75 million. Do you really want both guys on it? I mean, you're, you're at your best as an NHL team when you have guys at that $800,000. And again, that was the issue last year. Everybody on the penguins blue line was extremely expensive What four, four guys over $4 million. And then you had Ruedel Friedman and whoever else in that bottom pairing, but still, um, It's something that will be something I'm going to keep my eye on. That's for sure. Uh, The only other guy that I think the Penguins should, uh, this is more of me saying like this should be done, is Teddy Bluger because you're not going to get a better fourth line center in the National Hockey League. And I understand you have some young guys, you know, Sam Poulin, chief among them, that you're hoping to come up and be really good player for the Pittsburgh Penguins going forward. Philip Hollander being another one as a center, but you're not going to get much better than Teddy Bluger. I mean, he, he kills penalties very effectively. He wins faceoffs. He has that offensive flair. He plays a physical game. He's really just all around one of the best fourth-line centers in the National Hockey League. And right now, you have him at a fair price. And if you can lock him up for something around that same price, I would do it. Like, not long-term. I wouldn't say, like, four-year deal. But if you can get him on another two-year deal, maybe even a three-year deal, that's That would be a really good piece of business for Ron Hextall to get done in the middle of the season. So I really hope they re-sign Bluger, even though these guys like Poulain and, and and Hollander are knocking on the door to get to the NHL level. Because I think that there's something you can do with Jeff Carter that gets him out of the way to put Poulain or Hollander in that position at third line center.
0: Yeah, there is. Poulain's a hard one. Bluger is a, is a hard one because... You figure fourth line centers are a dime a dozen around here. Not, you know, you you could replace them easily, but you can't because he's Teddy Bluger. He's a different breed of fourth line center because we know what he brings in terms of that defensive ability. He does he have a scoring touch
1: that we just haven't un, unlocked yet? There could be something yes. there. Yes, there <laughs> is. Like that, I'm not even questioning it. There is more to him offensively than he's shown.
0: Yeah. So, so he isn't he, Teddy Bluger specifically is not a dime a dozen. His position is. It's the fact that he plays in it um, Hampers him a little bit But also, so be it Because we get a very good player out of it either way Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that one's interesting I do agree with You want to extend him Again, he's not one of the guys you're handing out eight years to He's not one of the guys you're handing out eight million dollars to He's going to be another short-term, low-money deal He's going to have his niche role on this team That not too many other teams have so if you were to, say, lose them, sure, you can fill that spot in. But all of a sudden, you have to redesign your bottom your bottom line. Yeah. That's exactly – don't get me wrong, he's – Teddy is not going to play here forever. But when that time does come, you have to be ready to redesign. You have to be ready to flip-flop people. And you know, you're not bumping Brock McGinn up anytime soon. <laughs> so – well, I, I think that's an interesting one. I do like the idea of Teddy Bluger finding a new deal soon, too. But it's got to be the right deal, too. But
1: yeah. that's simple. Don't just honest. sign him to sign him. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what it kind of feels with Ricard Raquel. People are going to think that I hate Ricard Raquel. I keep ma- mentioning that. I just I just don't like the contract, guys. Like, I really like Ricard
0: Raquel as a It's a long a player, time. I don't mind the number. It is a long time for
1: Ricard. Six years that's... for a guy. Oof. I mean, yeah, we don't have to talk about that right now. But, uh The last thing I want to ask before we talk about, uh, not talk about, but just mention the minor leaguers that are all going to be on expiring deals this year. Anybody that you see as trade fodder on this list? Boy, oh boy. (laughs) Um, That's really hard because
0: a lot of these guys can be useful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drew O'Connor. Why not? Just because, hey, we didn't seem to want him in the starting lineup, and we have guys (laughs) that can go in over him, right? Yeah. But yeah. don't get me wrong, Drew O'Connor might still have a decent future in this league. Um, he just kind of struggled to find his footing here. Mm-hmm. If you're able to convince another general manager, hey, here's a guy that he hasn't found his footing here. Maybe he can find his footing with you. But he's also able just to be sent to the minors. Mm-hmm. How's about a draft pick? <laughs>
1: um, magic beans. I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with Drew O'Connor, too. He's getting dangerously close to Yuso Rikula territory where everybody says that they like him in the organization. He just doesn't get the opportunities. He's getting dangerous. He's not there yet. He's getting dangerously close. But at the end of the day, when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're not a seller. They're buyers. They're going to be buyers until Sidney Crosby's in a rocking chair. They're not selling at the deadline. If anything, it's trading somebody for the simple reason that, I already mentioned him in this segment, Sam Poulan, that... Valtteri Pustin, that Philip Hollander, that Drew O'Connor, are to the point where they're ready to be everyday NHL players. Because, as of right now, there is not a spot for them in this lineup. Last year, it was gatekept from everybody, from older players, from Brian Boyles, from Evan Rodriguez's. I don't think the same security is there with the NHL roster this season. I think a guy in Danton Heinen, who... Listen, salt-of-the-earth guy came back to Pittsburgh because he wanted to come back to Pittsburgh and left money on the table in order to do so. But he's a guy that doesn't play the penalty kill. He is at the bottom of the lineup when it comes to second power play unit. He's primarily a 5-on-5 guy, and he's a great 5-on-5 player. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited that Denton Hyden is back on this team. But if Sam Poulin is ready to play, and listen, this preseason, Everybody in that organization has swooned over Sam Poulan's performance and his progress. If Sam Poulin is ready to play, if he is blowing things up in Northeastern Pennsylvania and ready to play at the NHL level, Danton Heinen could get on the chopping block really quick because that third line spot with Poulin, Carter, and Kapanen, if he's ready to go, could become a very available and very interesting third line for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think Heinen's on that list. I think Jason Zucker, because he's on a contract year, because of what that contract is, and because if he plays the way that he's played the past couple seasons, not that he's been injured, but if he fails to score goals, maybe he's another guy that, hey, future considerations, we're opening up cap space. I don't want to see that. I want to see both of these guys. Heinen less so than Zucker. I want to see Zucker really badly this year. But if one of these young guys, i mean, boosted it another guy, he was practicing with Sidney Crosby for God's sakes for the first two weeks of camp. There's a reason for that. They're not going to do that and then say, yeah, we'll bring him up for one game. Clearly, knock on wood, but injuries happen, especially to the Penguins. So that might create a spot for one of these guys regardless. But if not, that's who I see going. Zucker or Heinen.
0: That's totally fair, too. I like the Heinen idea there actually a lot. Uh, because you can get value.
1: Zucker, you oh, just yeah. don't know. He has to prove it still. A Western Conference contender would love a $1 million Dayton Heinen. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's the opposite of the of the blue line. It's not a place where Ron Hextall has backed himself into a corner. He has options there. He can say, you know what? I'm just not trading Dayton Heinen because he's really good.
0: Twice but as many he options, can say, literally. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Versus we have too many good players. I have nowhere to put them or I'm going to lose them for free. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell him a little worked up about him backing himself into a corner with the blue line? But nonetheless, to finish off this episode, there are some minor leaguers that are on expiring deals, of course. Valtteri Pustin, we mentioned him, he's one of them. Jonathan Gruden, who the Penguins got in exchange for Matt Murray a couple of seasons ago, he's on an expiring deal. Philip Hollander, who's been traded to and from the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple times, is on an expiring contract. Alex Nealander, Drew O'Connor, Drake Kajula, Colin Sawyer... Philip Lindbergh, and Dustin Tokarski. Anybody before we go that stands out to you on that list that you want to mention real quick?
0: Not that I can think of. They're all going to be interesting to watch. I said last episode that the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins should be a pretty good team and a pretty fun team to watch this year. There's a ton of young guys who have NHL futures ahead of them, whether it's here or not, um, are going to be taking the ice in Wilkes-Barre. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fun. I'm not going to call them a juggernaut quite yet, but they could be a ton of fun to watch and could be a very successful
1: team this year. And for those of you that don't give two craps about the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, which is your prerogative, I think you should because that's the future of the NHL franchise. Five of those names I mentioned are probably going to play at least a game for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year at the NHL level. So, uh, So something to keep an eye on for sure, but that is going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll be back next week, game week, for the Pittsburgh Penguins as the regular season gets underway. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend, Pens fans.